Amen. I don't know about you, I'm getting kind of excited, aren't y'all? Have you got your bags packed? I'm telling you, we're living in exciting times. I know some of you are, are, are thinking that, you know, you can't believe you made it to six, two, six, 2016. I must admit, I can't believe you made it either. <laughs> we we, <laughs> we kind of share that thought, you know, it's amazing. Isn't it, aren't you glad that God's merciful and gracious and patient with us? I'm glad for that. And uh, I know, at least I hope so, that you're anticipating what's going to happen to in 2016. And uh, yes, I know God's in control. I know God's got it all worked out, but he hasn't sent me the plan, you know. Except there is a plan he did send me I'm going to share with you this, uh, this morning. Let me, let me encourage you the strongest encouragement possible. At 9.30, we're studying the book of Revelation verse by verse. You need to get a hold of this book. I encourage you, whatever you have to do to get here at 9.30 and to get an opportunity to hear and experience the book of Revelation. It's an exciting book, you know, and it's a book that we need to be very familiar with. Now today, <coughs> rapture practice. <laughs> Just getting ready. Just getting ready. The second coming of Jesus Christ is one of the greatest subjects in the Word of God. Someone has said that every exhortation in the Bible, the root cause, is the second coming. In other words, God has specific things for us to do before Jesus Christ comes. We do not need to spend time doing nothing. God has a race for each of us to run. He's got a niche for each of us to fill. And it's important when we talk about this, this rapture, the second coming, that we do so with anticipation of what God is going to do. In fact, I believe this, that when you start studying about this subject, it will revolutionize your life. It will actually change your life when you realize exactly what we're talking about. You see, it's so far from religion, isn't it? Uh, we're so hung up on religion, you know, the do's and the don'ts, all that kind of stuff. But when you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's alive, it's vibrant, it affects your whole life, it affects your future, it affects your thinking, it affects everything in your life, and it should do that. It's important that it does that. Uh, I think it's important to realize that when we start preaching about this, there are some people that do not believe this. There are some folks that will talk about this, and, and they will not believe it, and they won't believe what the Bible says, and... And, uh, you know, they kind of say that in a way that, you ever had someone talk to you, talk down to you? You ever had that happen? That's not really a good thing, but you know when you're talking to someone and you start sharing with them what God's word says, and, and they kind of give you the look. You get a picture of that? And uh, that's the look like, you're, you really are an idiot, you know. But, you know, when they, they say that kind of stuff, I said, man, thank you for saying that. You just fulfilled prophecy because the Bible says, in verse 3, knowing this, that there shall come the last day scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? And so when, I, when they tell me that, I, I want to tell them, and listen, thank you for saying that because you just fulfilled prophecy. The word of God says that people are going to do that. You know what, should, what we ought to get a hold of? This should not surprise us. We should not walk around like, I can't believe people are saying that. Where in the world are you living? We're living in a world that doesn't love Christianity. It hates the things of God. And so we understand this is going to happen. The Bible says further that these folks are willfully ignorant of the word of God. They're willfully ignorant 
of what God is saying here. So much so they display their ignorance by when they open their mouth. You've heard people say, it's one thing to be stupid. It's another thing to open your mouth and remove all doubt. You know, and sometimes folks do that. If you'll go back and read some of the sermons, the old sermons in the early 1900s, uh, you'll hear guys that preached about things that would come to pass that started to come to pass. And can't you imagine that back there all those years ago in the 1800s when they were preaching about Israel becoming a nation, you know? Can't you imagine the scoffing that went on when folks would stand up and say, well, the Bible says that Israel will become a nation, and yet they were scattered all over the world. I mean, there was no place for them. And, and you would hear this kind of preaching, and there'd be people come say, well, that just proves you that the Bible's not true because Israel's not a nation until 1948 when two countries, England and America, made it so. England, that's where you wonder why England and America has been so blessed and how they've prospered. There's, that's not an accident. I mean, that's not, a, that's not something that just happened and all. When you realize that God used England to bring forth the, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the issue and then the, the controlling vote to make Israel a nation was the United States of America. And can't you imagine that, and of course we've talked about two or three weeks ago, and what an exciting thing to see God fulfill prophecy and to see those things start happening and, 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 and kind of get us into a situation where, now, and I think it's important that we get excited about this. Have you ever got excited about something that doesn't matter? You do watch football, don't you? <laughs> a lot of you I see are weeping and wailing. But, but it really, really doesn't matter. And I think it's important that we get excited about the things of the Lord. And, and I think it's important to realize that, you know, I don't have to make the Bible true. The Bible is true. God doesn't need my stamp of approval. I mean, what he says, it settles it. And so I may not be able to explain God's timetable. That's kind of American thought anyway. I may not be able to explain God's timetable and how all the pieces fit. It's amazing the discussions that you get in with people about all the pieces fitting and trying to make those pieces fit. But I can just tell you this, that God said it, it will happen. You can count on that. In the book of Daniel, if you're much of a study of prophecy, then you have to be in the book of Daniel. In chapter 12, uh, a couple of things I want to share with you. Verse 4 says this, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. And as you look at this scripture here, you see a couple of things. And, you know, even though God doesn't kind of give us the date, but I must admit, as I look over the last several years, that doesn't stop people from setting them. Even though God says not to do it, people still do that. But we see here that God does give us some things to look at. God kind of helps us to kind of see these different things happening and to realize that how close we are to his return. And there in Daniel, a couple of things he talks about. He talks about the area of traveling increasing. How, man, we're living in days of, uh, of airplanes and spaceships. And uh, just last week, uh, they have now, they actually have a car that can drive itself. Uh, you men, you know, how can you drive your car without your wife? Well, I, I'll be back. <laughs> I wonder sometimes if how wives believe you all drive your car when they're not there. Because they do instruct you, don't they? You do see the light. What, what light, Mama? I mean, you know we're turning here in two streets. 
I mean, you think about all the instructions that they give you. And, and you know, that long ago, I was with my wife and two daughters. You can just imagine what I went through. Can you, can you feel my pain? All right. We're going to have a revival here this morning. What's that? God was message. Nothing, honey. Ain't got nothing to do with it. But anyway, travel. I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, it's amazing the, uh, uh, the, the millions and millions of cars, not just in America, but around the world. I, this was, there was a mister in Sao Paulo, Brazil, said this, that Volkswagen automobiles divide the human race. I said, how's that? To the quick and the dead. And so... <laughs> So one of the things the Bible says that's going to happen right prior to the Lord's return is all this travel. I mean, we don't think anything about getting in our cars, getting on a plane, and going almost anywhere in the world. Another thing he talks about here was the area, uh, dealing with the area of knowledge increasing. You see there in Daniel, Daniel 12, 4, that knowledge would increase. We're living in a computer age. Have you noticed that? It's amazing. These little things, it's amazing what you can do with it. Or not. Shut up. Can you give me directions to Sonny's restaurant? Sonny's barbecue is nine minutes from your location by car and light traffic. Here are your directions. What a day! Does it get any better than that? <laughs> What a wonderful time that the Lord has. We and I know exactly where every Sunday is in the country now. I mean, I can get there, you see. And we're living a day. It's amazing. You know, I, I used to tell people that, that I don't, and I don't really, I don't have a computer in my office. I'm not against computers. You say, do you use computers? Yes. Uh, one's called Charlotte. You know, when I get really desperate, it's Dale. It's really desperate I'm there. And, uh, but, uh, but, you know, with this thing here, it's what it is, and we use it, and, and, and I appreciate it. Uh, you can, there's a lot of stuff you can, my, my daughter likes to call this thing the beast, and I think she's probably not too far off on that. But, uh, but this is one of the things that Daniel 12, 4 said would happen. I, and, I, and these are, you know what problem, these are simple things, we miss it. We say, I don't know that the Lord's coming back. You're missing it. He talks about these things happening, computers, uh, medical science. Uh, it's amazing the things. Uh, uh, someone, to, who was it, uh, came and talked to me. Uh, her, their husband was, uh, had kind of a heart attack coming in that direction. Uh, they got him there in time, put a stint in his heart. He's okay. Wow. Uh, we're living in miraculous medical time. Uh, my wife has real serious back problems. We went to the doctor a couple of three days ago. He talks about some things he's going to be able to do that didn't used to be able to be done. We're living in a day of a medical, uh, miraculous things happening medically. And you say, well, you know, preachers, you believe in divine healing. Let me help you with that. I think that's the only kind of healing there is, is divine healing. Now, you've heard me talk about this. Divine healers, not so much. And, but I'm really into divine. I believe that God, and I'm thankful for doctors, and I'm grateful for their ability and, and all that kind of stuff, but they are practicing medicine on you. And so you need to be aware of that. But I'm glad for what they can do. I'm thankful and grateful for things. And that's one of the things that the Bible said would happen. And, and I know it, it sounds so very simple, but we, it goes over our head. We miss it. We, we walk around like, oh, you know, God's not really in control. And, and what's really going to happen? He told us what was going to happen. He says, right, they seem so simple, but they're so powerful. 
I believe one of the things that certainly that Daniel was talking about here in reference here was his knowledge concerning the end of times will be increased. We talk more and more about this now than we ever have before. Uh, Daniel 12, you're still there in the book of Daniel, verse 8 says, I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. Opinion. I kind of wonder if the book wasn't open in 48 when the nation of Israel, when Israel became a nation. That's just an opinion, you know. You, know, you, you field dogs, don't come talk to me later. I'm just giving you an opinion. But I know it's going to open up, and I just wondered if this is when the book was opened, because we're living in a generation that knows more about the second coming than previous generations. I mean, uh, you can watch TV or listen to the radio or your computer or whatever you're listening to, and they all major on prophecies. There's this amazing amount of prophecy being talked about today. In fact, one of, uh, one of the curses of our day that we have is prophecy conferences. Let me help you with that. We spend more time on what is represented by the toes of Nebuchadnezzar's image than exhorting people to live right. Prophecy wasn't given to us to fascinate us. It wasn't given to us to argue over. It was given to us to point out the fact that we need to be about the master's business. We need to be living right. We need to be doing right. That's what prophecy does, to encourage us to do the right things and to be involved with the right things. I realize there's a lot of things about the second coming that we don't know. A great deal of information has been given to us about the last days, though, and, and I think it's important. Let me just kind of give you a couple things. It is an absolute waste of your time to sit down and try to figure out who the Antichrist is. If you want to know, see me later. I, I, I just think about, you know, or, or, or not only that, say, well, this is the day that the Lord's coming back. I've seen people, they've taken these, they, they've crunched the numbers. They've crunched the numbers. And they say, well, because this happened here, this is 70 here, and 400 here, and so therefore, this is when the day's supposed to be. When Jesus was on the earth, he didn't even know. The Bible says that, Mark 13, but of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angel which is are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is coming. Now, there are some things that we don't know, but there are some things that God wants us to know. And I want to share just one thing with you this morning. All that's been an introduction to share one thing with you that I think is very practical. And what I, what I like about the Word of God, it's very practical. I mean, it's not given to try to dazzle us or impress us it's given to instruct us it's it's heavenly counsel for for conduct here below and so it's wise that we listen to what god has for us this morning when it comes to the area of the rapture now let me give you one thing next week i'll give you a couple others uh, why and why indeed the rapture is taking place let me give you one why must jesus come again number one to keep his promise keep his promise uh, the Bible says in John 14, and, le, and when he talks about this, and let me say this before I read this scripture, the Son of God has never made a promise he hasn't kept. Never. John 14, uh, 2 and 3 says this, I go to prepare a place for you. Don't you like that? Man. 
And I, he, said, I, he said, not only that, but I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. God has promised us he's coming back. Preacher, why do you believe in the rapture? Because God has promised us he's coming back. He has said, I have gone to prepare a place for you. And I realize that we're living in days when, uh, you know, I don't want to revert back to the, uh, what's that, what's that, honey, make me watch? I'm, I'm whipped, aren't I? Okay, I'll turn my man card in later, okay? What is that one you like real well? Oh, Fixer Upper. How many like Fixer Upper? How many men watch that? Come on, guys, you, you must have, yeah, yeah. I'd raise my hand, but she won't let me. <laughs> anyway, but you know, you see all that kind of stuff, and man, they, my wife says, oh, man, uh, uh, it's so practical what she's done. Yeah, I can be practical for 100000 bucks. you know. You know, it's so practical, that type situation on it. It's beautiful stuff, and, you know, we, you know uh, the only problem with that, she, she, she watches that TV, and all of a sudden she looks over the kitchen, and here's what she says from Micah. The women said, and the problem with that is, Reverend. But hey, guys, the master builder. Limitless budget. Creative. Beyond thought. Is going. Prepare a place for you. That you won't have to be remodeled. We don't move to no place. I like to move somewhere where I don't have to remodel it. There, there ain't no such place. Pardon my English. There ain't. Except for the master builder. He's going to prepare a place for us. It's going to be beautiful. And, and he promised he would do it. He said, I'm not that. In the book of Acts, he says this, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus Christ is coming back. He said it. He promised it. Not only to keep his promise, but to consummate our salvation. There in the book of Ephesians, you want to look at there. Book of Ephesians. I want to read some scriptures to you. So take your Bibles, turn over there. Ephesians chapter 1. What's exciting about this is not only God's saving our soul, he's going to take care of these old bodies. How many going on a diet this? <laughs> I'm not even going to look up. I don't even want to know. Look at verse 13, chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians. Talk about him consummating our salvation. Why it's coming back. Keep his promise also to consummate the salvation. Verse 13, in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, whom also after that you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance under the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. And, of course, what he's saying here is once a person is saved, they are sealed. I don't keep myself saved. He's the one that takes care of that. He has sealed me. That's what the Bible says. As soon as you trust Christ, if you're here this morning, you haven't trusted Christ, your personal Savior. Hey, listen, if you would, before you walk out of this building, if you would ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, the Bible says the Holy Spirit seals you and fills you. The Holy Spirit's a part of your life. Man. The Holy one, not only will he redeem our soul, he's going to give us a new body. I'm kind of looking for the new body, aren't y'all? Woo, mama, some of you need it. Uh, book, of, book of Romans. Book of Romans. Chapter 8, look at verse 16. We're talking about some good stuff here. 
16, uh, chapter 8 of the book of Romans, uh, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children and heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, we, we may be also glorified together. For I reckon, the southern term, for I reckon this suffering of this present times are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us for the earnest expectation of the creation waiteth for the manifestation of the Son of God. Verse 23 says, not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruit of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to the wit, the redemption of our bodies. Hmm. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I won't read it to you, but it, uh, the gist of 1 Corinthians 15, this corruptible will put on incorruption. That's getting ready to take place. It's part of the reason for Jesus to come back. 1 John 3, 2 and 3 says, Beloved now, we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, and every man that hath this hope in him purify himself, even as he is pure. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming back. Why? Because he's keeping his promise. Number two, he's consummating our salvation. Number three, the last, he's delivering us from wrath. Now, I realize what I'm getting ready to say right now may be a bit controversial, but let me give it to you anyway. As you're turning to 1 Thessalonians, <coughs> excuse me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, go ahead and turn there. Let me make this statement while you're turning. <coughs> I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Let me tell you why. You may disagree with me on this, and if you do, hey, it's okay. Uh, you know, we'll get it straightened out in heaven, or get you straightened out in heaven. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Let me give you some scripture, and I'll give you some thought. But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you know that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the, by the word of the Lord that, we which are alive remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and then in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. People stop right here generally, and they shouldn't. We all pretty much agree with that. Well, let's, go, let's keep reading. Chapter 5. But of the times and seasons, brethren, we have no need that I write unto you. Verse 2, for yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. And look at verse 4. Be brethren are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. And then look at verse 8. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love for a helmet of hope and salvation. And verse 9, for God hath not appointed us. Very important under wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we shall live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also as you do. I think it's important to understand that the early saints, when they looked at the rapture, the second coming, looked at it as the blessed hope. Christ, certainly the bridegroom, the, uh, the bride was the church. And I don't believe that the church will go through the tribulation to be purified. We are not purified through tribulation. We are cleansed and purified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus said that we are saved, not appointed unto wrath again, to salvation by our Lord Jesus. The salvation 
is the consummation of our salvation and redemption of the body. Now, a couple other things, just some thoughts. You know, uh, folks that believe, say, mid-tribulation, that, they, that the Lord will come back at the midpoint of the tribulation or that it'll come back at the end of the tribulation. The problem I have with that, if that's true, then I know when he's coming back. And the Bible says, I won't know then. But if you believe that, then you do know that. Also, I believe that, uh, that the church does not need to go through tribulation, to, uh, doesn't need to have that wrath. And if you read the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3 talks about the church. Chapter 4 and on does not. Nor do I believe the church replaces Israel. I think none of that's true. Now, I think it's important that, that you do understand this. I do believe the church will be persecuted. The Bible says in 2 Timothy, all they that live godly shall indeed suffer persecution. But I do not believe they're going to go through the great tribulation. And here's a bigger issue to me. Whether you believe that or not, it has very little to do with your salvation. My bigger question is this, are you ready to meet him? That's a bigger issue. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if you die right now, you go to heaven? Isn't that the bigger issue? Whether, whether we have a tendency to have a difficulty in that area, there's no difficulty that we all believe that Jesus is coming back. And he's only coming back for those that are prepared. And so this morning, my question to you is, are you prepared? Let's say that Jesus came back right now. Would you be going with him? Would you be caught up in the air? If there's a question in your mind about that, that is a serious problem. And the thing that I so encourage you this morning, you don't have to live there. You don't have to live like that. The Bible says it's so clear that God has, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You can have that this morning. If you're not sure about this, if, you're, if there's a question in your mind about this, and I always try to make this statement, you know, you can take, you can take a chance on a lot of things, but don't take a chance on eternity. Uh, don't take a chance on, well, I hope I am. I, I do the best I can. My mom and dad were in the church, or, or on and on, or I've been baptized in some baptism somewhere, or, or my, my name's on some membership somewhere. Well, that's fine, but the reality is this. That's not what gets you to heaven. It's the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. That's who cleanses us. And so this morning, if you're not sure about eternity, the rapture, if anything, should prompt you not to put this off, not to wait. Maybe you're here this morning, you know Christ your personal Savior, but is your life presentable? Didn't say, is your life perfect? Is your life presentable? What do you mean by that? I mean, there should be, I heard some people say this sometimes, keep a short sin account. Keep no sin account. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And this morning, if you've got something between you and the Lord, you need to hit these altars this morning, get on your knees before God, say, God, forgive me and cleanse me. If there's some folks you need to get your life right with, and you need to do that. You need to take care of that this morning. So how should we live? We ought to live with expectation. I'm not going to walk around, oh, how do you think the election's going in 2016? Well, I haven't been right in years. No sense in talking to me about this. I haven't been right. I never thought, I can't believe what I'm seeing today. But I know God's never been wrong. So I have to trust him. It doesn't really matter. 
Now, I am registered, and I will be voting. Don't misunderstand that. But I'm going to tell you right now, I've already voted who I think needs to be in charge. What about y'all? I expect God. But also, I want to prepare. I want to prepare. And the preparation is, see, preacher, why is this church going into a $199,000 project? You don't even have $199,000. I don't. But y'all do. <laughs> said, Reverend, will you spend our money? Just like that. Because I want to reach this community for God. We're going to put together that five acres out there. We're going to put those, those soccer fields and flag football fields and all that kind of stuff. And hundreds and hundreds of boys and girls and moms and dads are going to come onto this property. They're going to find out that Jesus loves them. And whatever it costs us. You say, well, what do, you, what, what do you get all that stuff done and Jesus takes, and, and you get all the work done and Jesus comes back. What are you going to do? I'm going to leave it with you. You can do whatever you want to do with it. I'd rather God, you know, well done, thou good and faithful servant. doesn't mean I did everything he wanted me to do, but I was going to do it. Seriously. I'm just challenging you. At Sunshine, we're not pulling back. We're not playing it safe. We've got a world to reach for Christ. And we have a strong, vibrant mission program. This church... Uh, is a sending missionary to Corey and Jess. And we love that couple in the lad line. We love that couple, and we'll do our, everything we possibly can to get them to the field. And that we have a burden to reach the world for God. But we want to reach Port Charlotte. We want to reach Charlotte County, Sarasota County, maybe even Lee. Not sure about Lee. But, uh, but we want to reach them. And we know that we're doing this because I believe, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that Jesus is coming soon. I don't want to say, when I get to heaven, God, I wish I had. I don't want you to say that either. I want you to be able to say, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did.